Welcome to the most overrated, underappreciated, most viewed on the view podcast of all time. Welcome to the Prince of Fresh Air. This is your host, the most charismatic man in entertainment. And I have a special guest. Can be seen everywhere from Luke Cage, Blue Bloods, Bull, fellow Incoherence actor, but with a much bigger part in involvement. Jeff Auer, how you doing, man? What's up, Percy? Incoherent super fan. I love oh, it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's your IMDB, uh, that's your IMDB thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, how's uh, how's COVID treating you? How's the current uh, shutdown and stuff going for you? It's grueling, man, right? It's, you know, it's it's messes with your mind after a while. The in, the out, the in, the net, you know, it's just, it. you know, uh, with the vaccines now, you know, the end is near, but... Uh, Man, it's 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 taken some mental strength a little bit to get through this. You know, it's been long, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I we're going to get more into that because uh, COVID has been just interesting. Um, but sure. before we get into all that, you know, COVID and everything else, let, let's let's take it from the beginning. So, um, you know, like I said, you have your experience, actor, working actor, done some tremendous stuff. Um, just take. Take me back a little bit. So how did you get into acting and how has the journey been for you? I got into acting late. I didn't start till I was 27, 26, 27. I think I took a class. Yeah, I started taking class when I was like 26. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, all through sort of uh, growing up, I did sort of performy type things. You know, I used to, uh, you know, in the in the church, I was like the, uh, they, when it, the school masses. I went to a Catholic school for 12 years. I was the guy who did like, uh, and, the, and you know, or, or the Lord's Prayer, you know, like, read after me, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was that. You know, uh, I did some comedy skits in high school and in college. And then um, after college, I was a, a DJ in London for six months at this uh, tourist trap, American Diner. Uh, so I did some, and then I did a little stand. I've tried stand up a few times. I was sort of searching. And then okay. I landed on it. You know, I realized that I took a class and after doing the scene in class, I'm like, I'm in, I'm all in. Uh, man. Yeah, that's what it started. You know, it's crazy. Um, it's interesting you said that because I was actually talking to Jared, you know, the right. director for uh, the Incoherence. And I was talking about that. I think it's very important for actors to to kind of diverse, uh, you know, your, your brand and yourself because, you know, for you, your journey wasn't just strictly acting. You tried all different avenues. And I think that's very important. And, you know, even with you trying every different thing, you still find your passion and you made a career out of it. So, you know, it, I think for a lot of people, if anything, they take away from what you just said is be open minded. You know, you know don't don't be so gung ho about one specific thing. Right. Um, but if, if you're going to do it, the, the thing I learned and I learned this from, you know, bartending in the city before I was an actor and then. Uh, you know, while in their early days in Akron, I would see people that would say, oh, I'm a writer, I'm a filmmaker, I'm a musician, I'm an, and they weren't doing shit, you know? Oh. So so that was a good lesson, because I was kind of, you know, in those years where I was searching for it, I was kind of lost. I really didn't, you know, other people, I, I other friends were much, far much more farther along in their careers, you know? Um, and, you know, so uh, I, I just said, I don't want to be that. Like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it hard, you know? Absolutely. Hundred yeah, percent. Sure you met people like that before. Oh, uh, I we we gonna talk about. <laughs> I can talk about that all day. <laughs> um, it, makes you, it, it makes you think like, don't be like that person. You know, don't say it if you're not gonna do it. A hundred percent. I I mean, I live in L.A. now, so yeah. I I mean, I see it so much. It's, 
it's absolutely insane. Everybody's an actor, but they're not doing any classes, not doing any gigs, don't have a reel or resume. I'm like, what are we doing here? But, you know, right. I digress. Uh, let, let's keep it on you, though, you know, for this time being. Um, so one of the things, I, one of the questions I have for you was, you know, for a lot of people who who haven't experienced this, to go from the incoherence, and I'm, I know you did a lot of stuff before the incoherence, but was there any major difference from going from the incoherence to doing like the bowl and, you know, bigger TV shows? Well, I'll tell you, dude, uh, working on the incoherence made me better. And, and then I started booking more having done the incoherence. Like, you don't, you know, you, you don't get to, let's face it, when it, it, you don't get to act that much. Like you're constantly trying to find ways to act. And if you don't get to do it for a little bit, if you're not in class, and I've been in classes, I have kids and it's kind of hard. Um, yeah get a little stale being uh you know doing that movie for you know what you know whatever over, over the five months that we did like you get a bit of a groove you start to realize how to work with the camera more and then right after that i kind of got a little book a booking streak it was nice um so just the, the 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 real difference is the stress of making the movie was insane but when you get hired for a tv show it's just you're just so happy to be there. there's no worries you get all this food in front of you, you know, yeah you, what you, gotta do, you know so um yeah, that's the big difference. But the thrill of doing it is still the same, you know, in both is the same, obviously. Absolutely. I think there's a big misconception where acting, and this is going to lead into my next question, because I was talking to somebody about this who aren't involved. And people think that acting is so easy, you can just pick up and do it. And you can just book work right out the gate. And I think it's, at some point, especially where your level is and where I'm reaching now, it's not as easy. You, I mean, when you audition for these big TV shows, big movies, there's thousands of people, excluding the celebrities that also audition for these roles. So a lot of times you're not booking work as much as you want. So it's just constant audition, 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 fail, fail, rejection, rejection. And I don't think people really understand that concept. Um, you got thick skin. Absolutely. Skin. You get your ass kicked constantly. Now. <laughs> Now, this is going to lead me to my next question. Um, you know, a lot of people, especially the ones that move to L.A., have this idea that Hollywood is all about the lights, the camera, the action, the glamour, the glory. Do you think that's an accurate representation? I mean, it shouldn't be. You know, um, the more, the, you know, I I used to do basement theater. You no, know, not basement theater, but like off-off-Broadway theater. For, I did it for 15 years. You know, and, you know, sometimes you'd have a great crowd. Sometimes there'd be two people there, you know, right. and, uh, but you do it for the love of it. And I, and I stopped doing it because I had kids and I, I was like, I got it. This is taking up, you know, to do a play for free for two or three months or for little, no, no money became almost, I'd have to bring my kids into 34th street, drop them with my, my wife, you know, she'd bring them back at that time. They were like six and four or whatever, you know, and then I go to rehearsal. So it was, it was, it was a hustle, you know? Right. But now that I've had a little bit more uh, TV and film success, I'm dying to go back to the theater. Like I'm ready to do it in front of two people. I don't care. Like I miss, I miss the action. I'm so sick of being home. Like if, if, if I would do a three week thing for four people, I don't even care. And I just want to do it, you know? Absolutely. Just want to do it. And I, maybe that's the, the, I guess I got sidetracked, but I guess that's the difference. I don't really know the LA scene that yeah, I, re I really don't know many actors out there. The only actors I know out there are from New York. You know, I have good friends out there that are not uh, in the in the business or do different things. So, 
you know, uh, they're obviously a lot more grounded in their life, but uh, maybe that's the difference because I don't really know the LA scene that much, but that's the rep that they get, right? It's a lot of sort of people are there for the fame and the glory, not for the, for the craft, I guess, or not for the love of it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm from New York born and raised too. And it's, by the way, I, I was born in the Bronx. My whole family's from the Bronx. Oh yeah, that's right. I think we talked about it on the inheritance yeah. because I was living in the Bronx. My mom still lives there, and like, is that where you grew up? I grew up in Manhattan, and then I you moved did. to yeah. So I basically spent more time in the Bronx, but I still grew up in Manhattan. So what what, what was your neighborhood? I I grew up in hundred uh, third Street by ninety sixth Street, right on the west side. Oh right, oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. then in the Bronx, I was living on uh, Kingsbridge, which is by Fordham Road, not even like a five minute walk. So gotcha. yeah, it's, I love New York. I mean, there's nothing better. I, I think for some people, they feel like not, not everybody, but I might dog LA a lot, but it's only because, you know, in New York for me, a lot of people who are actors are actually doing it out there, you know, busting tables. Then they, right. they got, they working to get an agent or have an agent They constantly working. And then you like for me being out here, it just seems like everybody likes the idea of being an actor, but don't want to do the work to be an actor. Right. I but think, there are a lot of people hustling out there too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Working but it's just majority it's just majority of the people right. that I've met so far. It's right. just like I want to be rich and famous instead of let's work together, let's put a reel together, right. something, let's collab and get well, some work done. Those so, are the people you avoid, you know. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, that seems pretty easy. You're a, you're, you're a hardworking dude. I'm sure you could avoid those people all the time if you need, you know. It just seems like there's a lot of people hustling out in L.A., man. It is. It, it's, it's a very hustling culture. I, I will give L.A. that. I mean, people will find any way. This business, you know, you got to work. That's like, you know, when I can feel when I slack too much, like, oh, crap, you got to, you got to, you got to work hard. You got to figure something else out, you know. It's right. Tough. Absolutely. It's yeah. There's very now, few doesn't matter how, how how high up you get, there's very few people that can are set. Absolutely. All sorts of famous people you see on TV are still hustling, still, you know, still auditioning, still going for it. You know, it's it's a it's a grind for everybody. Point nine, yeah, really, other than that little sliver at the top. Yeah, that that basically just rolls out of bed and people are like, hey, I wrote a, a role for you in this movie. You want yeah. it? So um Did you how has did you act when you were younger? Did you what, what how old were you when you started? I started acting around I would say 13, uh freshman year of high school. Uh, yeah. I went to I went to perform arts high school by Columbia University. Okay. Um I don't know, do you know Epic Theater Ensemble? No. No, okay. Theater? Yeah, it's like a not-for-profit theater company. Uh they actually won an award from Michelle Obama for the work that they do. So they go into uh, schools, mostly perform arts schools. And, you know, they, they bring trained actors to, to come in and teach you about acting. They will do plays off Broadway. So they actually, you know, get a venue on like 42nd street, invite uh, people, family, friends, and, you know, strangers come in. Um, so I started doing that. Then I went to school, uh, college for theater. Um, I got my first experience on the, on the incoherence, which is why I always talk uh, highly about it. Cause that was like my first experience on the right. TV and film side. Cause I'm more right. theater trained. Um, and then, yeah, ever since then it's been pretty much TV and film because the, the acting is so much different. So for me, having been training in theater for so long, 
it, it took me, it really took me a long time to really understand TV and film acting. I'm still uh, figuring it out. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's t- I mean, I feel, like, I feel like with the like it, it, the problem is too. You, like for me, I overthink it for sure. Like mm-hmm. when you're doing theater, you just you feel completely free. You know, it's very you can be a little too big, and you can you know like it's not. But there's something about film. Sometimes I get it. And some like I've had I had a couple of auditions recently for some good stuff, and I knew they weren't great because I was a little out of practice. I didn't feel super comfortable. You know, if it, in the, the, with the theater, you can kind of let loose a little bit more. You know. Right, right. But you got yeah. figure out a way to do it in front of the camera as well in the audition room, which is not always the easiest thing to do. Yeah. It's tough. It's a, it's a skill. I mean, skill to audition, skill to actually do the craft. I mean, everything involved in this business is a skill. I and, think the hardest thing to do is audition. I think you know, like I, I, I you know, it's sometimes, sometimes it goes feels like it goes well. I'm saying sometimes it doesn't, but it's always like, you know, yeah. You got to put yourself in a weird place for like five minutes. It's not. It's not even like a theater rehearsal where you're kind of going at it for an hour or two. You know. Right. You got to. You know. So yeah. It, and it all has to just kind of flow. Oh man, audition is the absolute worst. I mean, you know, fortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, the pandemic kind of ruined plans for me. But I've to go from auditioning for like student films to auditioning for Netflix and. Hulu and these big companies, it's like, it's kind of mind blowing. But at the same time, when you get in these casting offices, you, you feel prepared. And then when you actually do the audition, you like, oh man, I really could have just like focused in. And it's something that even to this day, I've been doing it for 10 years now, at least acting wise, but I've been doing it for 10 years. And there's times where like the audition just don't go the way I envision it. And that's honestly the biggest obstacle. Booking work isn't the hardest. It's actually showing that impression in the first five minutes that you have. That's very key. You know what I started doing, though, uh, right before the pandemic? I'm like, you know what? I I wasn't really pushing, like, things out of actors' access and backstage, like, shorts and whatever little parts and indies. And I was like, why aren't I doing this, you know? Just to do it. Just so, like, when you're getting the bigger auditions, you're more prepared, you're more relaxed, you've been doing it for a while. And I got into a little bit of groove right before it and booked a couple of things and then, you know, bonk, it was over. So I want to get back to that where you start to feel more loose, you know? Right, right. It's tough, it's tough to, uh, you know, just be by yourself working on it. You always feel like you need something like some, you know, like just, keep, like just walk around doing, I'm going to walk around doing monologues. I'm like, but is it just to keep my brain active with the stuff? But it's tough to really just kind of practice by yourself, you know? Yeah, you know, I... You can answer this truthfully. I, for me, that's one of the biggest reasons why, you know, I've, I've taken classes. I went to school for it, but I realized that at some point the classes really, they'll help you find two certain skills, but I think, I think there's nothing better than getting actual hands-on experience. I've learned more about acting. Um, you know, I'll give a shout out to my, my, my coach, uh, Anthony Abel. He kind of helped me in my early transition, but I noticed that, I really wasn't getting it until I actually started getting work and actually being on set and understanding what to bring to the character, what they were looking for. I personally think not that classes are useless. I'm probably going to get hate for this. I don't think classes are useless, but I think you can do all the classes that you want, but unless you actually do the work on a professional set, then you won't really actually grow as an actor. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I, I think 
there's it's you know I, I was listening to John Leguizamo on the Mark Marin podcast. He podcast. He was still talking about how he has a coach. I know, I know Pacino had worked with a coach forever. Like I, maybe he still does. But I remember even hearing like during the last ten or fifteen years saying oh, I still work with a coach. So um, that's what I want to start doing more because I feel like I'm flying a little blind. You know lately. So I want to start doing that more, but yeah, yeah uh, I did the classes are just pra is practice. It's just, you know, that that's what it's for, you know, it's, you know, you're going for it, dude. So you're, you don't have to worry about that. You know, you're, you're, right. you're doing it. You're just using it as practice. And I, I, I kind of want to figure a way to, to get back to that, or at least just where it gets back to normal, where you could audition more, even for smaller stuff, just for the practice. Right. Yeah. That's the, that's the biggest issue right now with this pandemic. I was actually going to ask you since, uh, since we're talking about it, how has the pandemic impacted you, whether it's positive or negative or did it make, you know, spark a change for you mentally? Uh, yeah. I mean, nothing, this is a before and after moment, right? This is like nine 11. There's life before nine 11. There's life, not life after nine 11. Like everybody's brains, nothing is going to be the same. Zero, you know, I've been, I've been writing this script about where I'm from in New Jersey and I realized I have to completely wait until we figure, get out of this, even how to register what is going on. You know, it's yeah. just bananas. So I think, um, you know, part of it for me is you, it's been, it's, it's very hard to be stationary. Like my kids are here, we're here, we live in a nice apartment, but you know, it'd be great to have it like a back, some more room to run, but whatever. I'm, I'm obviously not complaining. People are way, way worse off than <laughs> I am. But right. just, you know, for everybody, it's just a mental strain and the strife in the country. And it's just like, you're just getting pounded on all sides. It's just been so many tragic deaths and you just, it, there's been very little good news. So one of the things I've been trying to um, take from this is just that you got to let more shit go. You got like, you got to let, like life is short. If you're, you're happy and you're doing your thing, you got friends and family, like that's all that really matters. Possessions, money, like considering what people have lost in the, in the last eight months, you know, that people are going to be, some people are going to be dealing with this the rest of their lives, what this thing is doing to them, apparently. I just had a friend that just got it. So yes, yeah, it's, it's a total before and after moment. So I'm trying to focus on some positive uh, you know, what, what, what are the positives? How can we, what can we take the positives of this? Like, you know, outdoor dining, I think fresh, but I know there's more in LA obviously because of the weather, but outdoor dining from New York has been fantastic. You know, it's been really added a whole nother dimension to the city. You know, like they figured out things for theater where they want to do more online events for theater. And they're saying, this is a, this, this we should have done this before. This is going to be part of the future of theater. It'll be more, more people, it'll be more accessible to people. My wife, one of my wife's best friends just did a one man show out of her theater company up in Michigan that just, nice. that was on a one woman show, excuse me, obviously one woman show. <laughs> um, uh, and that broadcast over the theater, theater company's website. So just things like that. Like I'm trying to focus on what can we, you know, what, what's, you know, it can't be all bad that comes out of this, you know, what's good, you know. And I think, yeah, yeah, you. No, no, no. That's it. That's it. I've rambled enough. <laughs> I think I think that's very key, and that's not even just about acting. I think in general, because I was I was at, I was talking about my younger brother about that. He was like, "How have you lost your mind?" And for me, you know, I'm thankful that my agents are still working hard to get me stuff. And but I realized that I can't just be sitting around waiting for the next best thing to happen. I can't focus on the negative. So, you know, doing this podcast, doing, you know, doing YouTube, you know, taking care of my, my health and fitness, that kind of helps me get through 
this rough time. And I think this actually is going to bri- this is going to bridge us into the controversy topics that we're going to talk about. But I just think there's so much negative energy in this world right now from politics and from COVID that it's just it's spiraling out of control. Now, people think, just a little backstory. I think, so, you know, a lot of people, and I'm sure you might agree, um, that Trump didn't do a good job with COVID, right? People think that he didn't do it soon enough. He didn't do it fast, uh, quick enough and stuff like that. But there's still people out here who think COVID is a conspiracy theory. It's a way for the government to take away our rights. They don't want to. They don't want to wear face masks. I see people complaining about Governor Cuomo uh, imposing more restrictions because cases are going up. California the same way. Um, what do you think about Trump's handle on COVID, or, or do you think COVID is some government cooked up conspiracy? Oh no, it's real. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just crazy. Anybody would think it's not real. I mean, all you have to do is just watch the videos of the healthcare workers crying, like, please, it's, please take it seriously. Take, that's all you need to see, you know? Right. Um, and I don't get it. I just, it, it blows my mind. You know, I was extremely proud of the city. Uh, we were, got destroyed in the beginning. Um, you know, there was definitely some missteps by, obviously some missteps by Cuomo and de Blasio, but we also, we were going to get hammered anyway, because there were so many flights in, forget about the China ban, there were still planes coming in from China, but all that, all, it was all that travels from Europe, all those travels from Europe as well. So, you know, even if you, you play this thing out perfectly, you still would have got, New York City would have yeah. got hammered, you know, yeah. we really pulled it together. You know, we really went from, like he said, worst to first, and that's, I was, I've been more proud to be a New Yorker lately than ever, just because of that. Everybody pulled together, you know, obviously not every single, you know, but yeah, you see what but, you see, 85, 90, 95% of people wearing masks doing what they have to do and they crushed the curve. And it just, you know, between people getting a little complacent and other people coming in from other states, you know, it was just, they knew it was just bound to go up. So um, I just don't get it, man. I, I, I just, you know, and it, it, I just don't get it. It's all, um, just delaying us getting back to any sort of normalcy. We, we really should, if everybody just do what they're supposed to do, right? We, we should all be able to function. We still have school, go to a restaurant. You, might, you know, we're still going to have to be restrictions, but it seems logical. But, you know, we, we're not all playing with the same set of facts these days. You know, we, all, we have to start all agreeing on the same facts and then we can have a debate about what's the best to do about those facts. But we don't even agree on the facts anymore. It's, it's bonkers. A hundred percent. And that's been my biggest issue right now with the election and you know whether you hate trump or not i I think people always misconstrue me as a huge trump supporter because i defend him but in in the case of COVID, i say i say this to people okay trump made a good point he he closed the the travel from china joe biden thought it was xenophobic for him to do that but during the, the election you know he's saying he didn't do it enough he didn't do it quick enough so then you have that then you have people saying that oh 200 first of all don't you find it ironic that ever since Joe Biden became elected, well, uh, you know, not officially yet, but technically he is, that they stopped talking about the the 250,000 deaths. I think it was just a way to scare people. The deaths, I don't believe the facts because the, the numbers are all skewed. They're saying 250,000, but a lot of these people who are coming out talking about family members dying from COVID are dying from 
you know, from diseases like heart attacks and, you know, they had respiratory failure even before COVID started and the COVID, uh, COVID kind of just amped it up, but they didn't die from COVID. But what's happening is a lot of hospitals are slapping COVID because they get a, they get an incentive to do that. So I don't even know if 200, I'm not saying 260 people didn't die. I'm just saying, I don't know if that is the accurate number of COVID. I think it's just a way for them to scare people to get people all riled up just until, you know, just to get what they want. And then bam, you don't hear about it no more. I mean, I, I just personally think this is just a whole, not a conspiracy theory. I just think people are playing games with COVID to benefit them. Um, am, 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 I, am I, maybe I'm, I'm going crazy here. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> no, I believe the statistics, you know, okay. I, don't know, I don't know why anybody would have a, reason to lie about it you know it's you know they i'm sure if they i'm sure if they gave you the data it would be there and um you know any you know it, these you know all these people who passed away from uh pre-existing conditions it was covid induced that put them over the finish line into death you true, know true. yeah um yeah i just think uh, there's been a to me there's been a scary um disavowal of science in the last like say 20 years it's just like whatever the scientists say don't like even with climate change you know it's like well every you know it's not just the liberals that drink the water and breathe the air who pretty yeah. much does mm -hmm. uh so I, that that's really scary to me like why why is science not you know the government doesn't invest in barely invest in research and science anymore that's why you know so much of what happened in post-world war ii was all these wonderful inventions you know, came through through that time because there was a lot of research going on that the government was funding. Right. You know? So I, I don't know. I, this lack of this, this lack of belief in science lately, I find a little scary. You know, um, in terms of misinformation, you know, um, everybody misinforms. Like it's not just a it's not just a uh, a product of one side of the aisle. Or not everybody definitely puts out their version of events and skews the numbers sometimes. I have yeah. my opinion who does it more, but uh, I, honestly, with these numbers, I mean, even if it's a few thousand off, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I believe the numbers, but I, I don't think it's like, it's actually 80,000 less, you know, I, 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 yeah, I right, do think right. the number is pretty clear. Yeah, the number is what it is. That's what I believe. Yeah, I just think, because I, I was watching a, a video where a nurse in LA, she was talking about how um, that they get, incentivized if someone in their hospital dies from COVID and that just kind of, I'm not saying that people haven't died from COVID. I have asthma, so I know it's serious, but I just don't know how accurate they're telling us the truth because one, one day they're telling us it's not that deadly. Then the next day they're throwing this number out and saying that it is deadly. Then next time you don't have to wear a face mask. Now, next time you do have to wear, I just, I feel like, if we all just really just got together, figured out what the problem is and really came down because when you giving people all this different information, people aren't really soaking it up now for me. And I'm sure for you, we pay attention and we understand what's going on, but for a lot of people, which is why I don't like being a Democrat or Republican is because they make you pick a side and then you have to agree with whatever that side says. So Republicans are more for opening the country. Democrats is for closing the country. Now that could be true. That could be false, but that's just a the narrative they put. And, you know, for me, I, 
I'm sure I'm sure you are a Democrat, and I'm not taking away that uh, taken away from you. But I think was the biggest problem we have right now is the fact that they're putting these two sides against each other. Oh, Trump supporters are terrible. Uh, Biden su- uh, supporters just burn down the buildings and steal stuff. And I mean, you see the violence in the street. Uh, you know, just last week there was two instances where you know Proud Boys was beating up a Antifa member. Then the Antifa member was shown beating up a couple walking down the street because they had a, a Trump supporter hat. So I just, how do you feel about, um, actually, let me, let me rephrase that. What is your honest opinion about Donald Trump? I, I'm curious. Oh, I think he's horrible. And, <laughs> but, but I'm also a little bit of a political junkie and I know that he hasn't failed at everything. I know he literally, there isn't, I know that the policies put forward, there were, I mean, obviously, I think it's a lot less than most, but there are some I could see, okay, you know, the, the prison reform bill, obviously, that, that was a good thing. You know, like the, the, the CARES Act, when they put it in, actually worked. It kept the economy going. Right. You know? um, I have to say, like, I do wonder why we are still in Afghanistan and Iraq. I mean, I don't think it's the right time for him to do it, but I, I question why we're, do we really need to be after 20? Like, I, I question. So, so even though I think he's... A horrendous person and it's such a poor example for our country i can still say but i also know there's a few things here that i can i can get with you know and right. you know part of that is because i grew up in a conservative area i mean yeah i'm, I'm a liberal i wrote democrat most of the time you know pretty much all the time because i don't really understand the republican party that much but i don't think the democrats are perfect i come from a conservative family i still my still talk to a, all my friends in jersey most are conservative we hang out we argue we get past it. It's not a big deal. Then we're talking about sports or girls or some other stupid stuff, you know? Yeah. So right. I forgot how to talk to each other, you know? And, and I, and the person that I get into the most political fights with sadly to say is my father. It's, it's like, it's bad. Like, why are we, he's about to turn 80 in a couple weeks. Like, why am I fighting with him? He, 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 oh, you know, my, my sisters and I recently said, we got to stop. Like, I gotta, I gotta cut it out. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> like, we're, we're all getting a little because, because we're all nuts. Everybody's nuts right now. We're right. animals. We're all crazy. Like this has been such a trying shitty year for literally every person on the planet, except for billionaires, you know? So we're just yeah. at each, We're just at each other. So I, uh, I see some of the frustrations of Trump voters. You know, I'm more, I'm, I'm more, I can listen more to conservatives, people who are conservative right. than the Republican Party. Like Republican Party, I don't understand at all. But I, for what I don't, their agenda is bizarre to me because I don't really see what, how they're trying to move the country forward. However, when you talk to conservatives, people with, who are conservative, they tell you, they, they let you know, their, their gripes to me seem, some of them seem real, their ideas seem, you know, some of them seem real, you know, that I can get with, not real, but that I can get with. So yeah, we gotta, we gotta talk to each other. I'm not, I don't think who I vote for is perfect. I don't think the other side is, imper- you know, doesn't yeah. get anything wrong. We gotta get back to talking to each other. Yeah, and I think that's the, you hit it right in the head. Talk if I can say one more other. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Politics is also becoming showbiz and I know it and it's sucking mm-hmm. us all in. And we gotta like drop the showbiz part and just say, Give us the facts. Is this policy working? Is it not working? And stop with the drama around it, you know, and be brutal for both sides about what's working and what's not. Absolutely. Uh, Politicians are turning into WWE wrestlers. (laughs) uh, You know, for me, you know, because I, for some reason, people are so fascinated with throwing this Trump supporter label out like it's 
like it's a drop of water. I tell people, look, for me, I was just given two candidates. I'm not Republican. I'm not conservative. I'm not Democrat. I'm just a guy that just, I got two options right here. And I, I could talk about the reason why, but for me, I just feel like policies in general is just all, it's just scummy. You know, I was watching a video uh, about- it's sad, right? it's sad, it's sad that most people think that. And you know, it, it is sad that I it's had to own, even- It's their own fault. It's right. Not, you're completely valid for thinking that. It's, it's their own fault. Right. And you know, I was watching a video cause you know, for me, I grew up in a democratic home. And I hate this belief that just because you're a black man, you have to be a Democrat. And that's what that was the biggest reason why I turned me off for Biden was the fact that he went up on air and thought it was funny to say, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. And yeah, he and, says stupid shit sometimes, you know. Yeah, I'm not saying Trump ain't no saying. I'm I'm not saying that. I just think that Democrat, like with the Chelsea Handler thing, had to remind 50 Cent that he's black because I just I don't like the mentality that just because you're a minority that you have to vote one party. This is well, why Democrat, you know. Guy, guy, you want to say something? No, go ahead, go ahead, uh, and then I'll and then I'll talk. Okay, it's I'm not saying everybody's race bait, but I feel like there's just a, a systematic way of because historically, and I only noticed because I, you know I I'm just legally allowed to even consider voting, but historically, you, what black blacks and minorities uh, voted for Democrats like 95 percent of the time, and it just felt like for me. Ever since Obama came, that every year they do the same thing. They invoke fear in you. They, they make it seem like they're going to do something for the black community. I'm not saying that they're bad people, but I'm just speaking from a minority perspective that every four years they, they give us promises and, and things and then they leave and, and nothing to show for it. And for a lot of people, a lot of you know minorities feel like Trump came in, you know, with his uh, his work with HBCUs and getting funded for, you know, black communities around certain areas that he was actually trying to do something to help. I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm just saying for me, I just hate that mentality that just because you're black, you have to vote that way. So, you know, well, I think that was a big wake up call for the Democrats, right? Because they like something like 20 percent of black men voted for Trump, you know, and yeah, they're, they're definitely starting to get to the point where oh, if you're, you hate yourself if you don't vote for us, you know, you're right. self-hating uh, black or whatever, like, you, you know, it, it, and it's a lot of, it, and I think a lot of this, what they can criticize about, you know, these sort of like privileged white woke kids that, you know, or, who are so in, in, you know, who are so concrete in their head that they can't, you know, they're, you know, you know, when you're young, you're so passionate and you know, my yeah. idea is the right way. And that's, and it's a little, too, and I think that maybe there was some resentment there too, like having these white woke, with kids telling people how they should think you know and i think that's that that really hurt uh i think that's part of the appeal for trump they they want to be like fuck you to these people like they like these you know these kids running around the second the divide is they, they're sick of being told what to do and they do they do have a point you know just the you know how the, the cultures look down upon it. i i do it myself sometimes when i get frustrated with that area of the country with some of the policies that that, that they that they want to put through you know and, and it, and it's not good. You know, I got to I got to stop doing that myself, you know. Um, but it's just it's just you know, everybody's confused. Right. Right. <laughs> Our heads are spinning, you know, and and uh, like like we were saying, we have to um, we have to get together, you know, yeah. got to get together somehow.
And the, the biggest way for us to do that is to stop relying on social media and certain media companies. Because, you know, I've, I've watched the news over the years. I know Fox is a, a right-leaning uh, channel. I know CNN is a left-leaning uh, channel. I think if they, if everybody just just gave the facts, I don't care if you hate the guy, support the guy, don't matter. Just give us the real facts and let us come up to our conclusion. My only problem with, with, politi- with politics is that they put you in these two boxes. They force feed you information and feed you a narrative about the other side that you shouldn't go over there. And they, they put people, I'm not saying it's all the media's fault. But when people are so gung ho about politics, I'm not. I really could care less. But and that'll probably come as I get older when I, I have to start worrying about taxes and all that. I'll probably care a little more. But for people who are passionate about that, you know, if they are very hardcore on CNN, whatever CNN says is, is gospel, um, and whatever Fox say, if you're a Republican or conservative, is gospel, and there's just no conversation being had. You right. say something, they, they want to shut it down. It's like hitting a brick wall. That's the problem with both sides. It's just they rely so much on certain news sources, don't get the whole story, and then it's a clash in the heads. Nobody wants to talk and sit down. And, oh, it's but frustrating. The information, the information is out there to learn the facts. It's out there. I mean, if, you know, like, if you, like you know, New York Times and Washington Post, you know, these big major newspapers, they're – they make some mistakes, but overall, those that is in terms of the actual facts, and they give you statistics about something going. That, that is what's going on. I mean, you know, it's been it's been verified many times over. Of course, they get some right. things wrong, but for the most part, those are the facts. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, I think the, 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 it's just so crazy. <laughs> we do live in this crazy reality where it seems like there are two separate facts for, for everything. Absolutely, you know, like, like we discussed before. Um, and in, until we get to that, it's another thing about coming together. But until we get to that, I, I don't know how we're going to fix any any of these these sides. And also, personally, part of the problem is too, it's very it's it's not viable right now. Like a major third party push is it's not viable. The money isn't there. It would take decades to. I think people would love a third party. There's many and many people frustrated people that would love a third option, a viable third option. I know. It's yeah, really hard to get off the ground. It's it's uh, the two parties are so entrenched that a third party is really really hard to get off the ground. You know, right. you would need to get some major players to just say we're done with these two, we're going to start our own thing, and then I, I mean I think it'd be good for sure. Oh, I'm, be- you know, for me, I don't even I don't well I I, I have people do think that only having one president is a problem. That's a whole conversation for another day because we, I'm not oh, even sure how right. that works. Yeah, like some people think one president is not is not enough. Like how can one person run a whole country? They think we need two or three other people. But to that's do what that. the other branches of government are for, right? I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just like the, the beacon for the people that can't speak. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. You know, I, I just think, I don't have a problem with people being Republican or conservative or a Democrat. I just want people to be open-minded to other, to hand each other opposed to saying, well, this way is is the right way. Your way is the wrong way. And this is why I hate when people call me a Trump supporter because people always associate, associate Trump supporters as racist. Now, even if I was a Trump supporter, 
I'm not, I mean, I'm a black man in America. How can I be racist? But it's just such a stigma being called a Trump supporter that people are getting hurt out in the street. I was watching a video where an older man was riding his bike and a bunch of Antifa members pushed him over and started kicking him in his head, pushed his bike, stole his wallet. I'm just like, is this where we come into? I'm not, I'm, I know, you know, Trump supporters are doing the same thing. But it's just like, why? Why is this such a uh, such a divide? And the problem is because of media and the news. And the government really needs to step in and help people out. The jobs aren't there, you know. So you got to, you got to, I mean, in, in my opinion, you know, I think, you know, with that CARES Act, like I talked about, that was all the money that got flooded in after the pandemic started. That work, I mean, you got, people are, people are, there are three mile lines apparently at some of these food banks around the country, you know, you know, people just line up in their cars for hours and hours just to get some food. Like government's got to step in and help and help these people, you know? Right. And I, uh, that's, I don't even care who's president come January or Trump, you know, finds a way to sneak in or they need to pass a stimulus bill now because I I'm seeing people, I'm seeing homeless people out the woodwork and yeah. I'm not even just talking about people that have been on the street for forever. I'm talking about people that have kids that were making $200,000 a year and can't even find a job. You know, unemployment is is holding their money because of fraud from people stealing and, and scamming the system. And the government is just chilling. That is my biggest reason why I just think politics is all nonsense because people are starving. People don't know when the next meal is coming from. People can't afford to even put a, a book in their kid's backpack. Every time it's been what four months now, and I, I I will salute Trump for passing that that executive order to you know for that short term period, but they talk for like two weeks, can't find an agreement, go on recess for a whole another month, come back, can't find an agreement, go on recess for a whole another month. People are losing homes. People can't buy food. Can't even buy a, a bag of bread. Right, Mitch McConnell, right? Mitch McConnell. Yeah. Yeah, podcast, dude. Give him, give him, a, give him an full, and then maybe you could change his mind because that guy seems to be the impediment to any sort of progress on this issue. Yeah, it you know, uh, you know, uh, there's never, there's never, doesn't seem to be any ever problem for a humongous tax cut, you know, where you know, for mostly the super well off, but with this kind of stuff, it's always a struggle. I mean, you know, uh. That's me, but you know that. Well, that's the conservative side. How, you know how big you want government to get. That's always the push and pull, right? The liberals always, you know, the left is always pushing for more government. The right is always pushing for less government. There's always that tension, you know. That's a. I didn't even think about that. You you made a good point. I didn't even think about that. I think. I mean, this is the time where we, that idea is. I understand it, but at this time where when people we have millions of unemployed people, we had to put the differences aside. People were struggling. I mean, people losing homes at an alarming rate. The the real estate is plummeting because people can't afford to buy, you know, homes. People aren't going to car dealerships anymore. People can't spend money because they don't have no money. And Mitch McConnell, let's, I mean, I get it. The deficit is high, but man, I mean, it's going to be even worse when, people let's say, starving. <laughs> people starve. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this, uh, you know, I was, I was actually reading a report like Nancy Pelosi at first. I thought maybe she was going high. Then I was, she's part to blame a little bit because I think the, the discontent is that Mitch McConnell's being really cheap because I seen what he's proposing. I'm like, come on, man, that that's not doing nothing. And then I think on her side, I feel like 
a lot of people feel that she's padding it with different things that really don't need to be in there. We just need to focus on helping the people right now. So look, pass the stimulus check if, that, if that's if that's the issue. Boost unemployment. Uh, help small businesses do the PPP thing. Do what they did with the CARES Act. Just roll that through again. That I mean, that worked pretty well. That pretty much helped people for many months. But this just sitting around, can't come to agreement, and they want to go on Cancun and drink a pina colada, it's just not right. It's just yep. it's just not right. And so, Percy, Percy, as a Bronx boy, uh, for, take away the business. How do you like California living? Don't, like, just, just forget about the business side, but just the actual living. How do you like uh, it? You know, living-wise, I prefer New York, I think. Uh-huh. LA is great. The weather's nice, um, but it's just not the same. I went to New York in July for unfortunate circumstances, but I went uh, twice. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about, and I'm very, very sorry to hear that. Uh, that's fine. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and even with the lockdown, I had so much fun. So, I mean, just riding the Revels, taking the A train again, you know, just going to Central Park, like, this is such a commodity. There's so many people everywhere. You get to meet different people. It's very easy to meet friends. Here, it seems like every time you want to go somewhere, you've got to schedule it because traffic is all over the place and people don't want to commit to anything. And People compare the two places. They're, they're nothing alike. I mean, they, they are. Nothing. In some, there's a lot of the same amenities, great restaurants, great art, all that stuff. But other than, other than that, they're so different. They're so different. Oh, wait. I, I encourage I encourage people who want to move out move out here, but a lot of people don't want to be here anymore. A lot of people are fleeing out the woodworks, especially with the pandemic, because there's no reason to be here. It's- so when I, we were out there for the uh, for the this is the this is the thing about LA, right? So uh, when we were out there for the film festival last year, right around right around those like the first week of November, right around this time, uh-huh. I, had a, I had a I had a day uh, an empty day before I was going home, so I went to downtown Los Angeles because. My friend told me to go to the last bookstore in this big food court across the street. So I went down there, both really cool. But dude, I was stepping over rivers of pee. Like it was just it was like a literally, it was like I was playing hopscotch down the down the sidewalk. Yeah. It was, dude, it was so <laughs> gross. And I was like, you know what? I'm getting out of here. I'm going right to Malibu. And I just Googled a hike. And then you're in Malibu and it's unbelievable. It's it's, it's gorgeous. It's, and, and that's like the crazy thing about LA. Like I realized that when I was there last time, like this is what I love about LA. I love the, I love the beachy part. I like Malibu, Venice, Santa Monica. I love that. I love all that up the coast. The city stuff, I realized I get that in New York. It's the, it's the, that's what makes to me makes LA. That's the, like the uniqueness of it. The, the, right on the water there in those mountains. It's just so freaking, it's, it's nice. Yeah, I haven't I haven't made my way over to the beach. I mean, I went to uh, I grew up by the beach, beach, but I grew up two blocks from the bay and two two miles from the ocean. So the beach is in my blood. So I always uh, I'm always searching out the water. I think that's why. Oh, I mean, I LA is not completely bad. I just think for someone who's as social as I am, it's just not a good fit because everything's so spread out, um, right. and it's just I don't even think the traffic is bad. New York traffic is way worse, in my opinion. I just think that because there's not a, a good uh, public, transportation. Tra- public transportation, that becomes the right. issue. And, you know, for me, relationships and all that stuff, too, is just like, I feel like there's a very big culture here where people only want to be friends with you if you could do something for them. I was talking about this in an earlier episode where, you know, people know, I mean, people know me. I, I mean, I, I my work, people know that Perfect I'm an actor or whatever. Guy. 
Yeah, and then the hair obviously sticks out. That's but, right. So my my buddy on this trademark, man. Oh, it is. I mean, people people don't. My mom don't understand. She like cut that off. I'm like, uh, no. But you know, honestly, even just from a acting headshot audition standpoint, like having your own look these days, because it's not like the old days where you had to look a certain trim way. Now everything is on the table. You know, right. So, I, just be yourself. I, I think that's the, you know, you're probably not going to get called in for a corporate lawyer anytime soon. But <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. Probably plenty of other things you'll be able to go in for too. What are you, you're like 23, 24? Yeah, you're, 24. Yeah. Right. Dude, you're like, you're, yeah, you're supposed to be the fun college, you know, like fun college guy or like some, you know, some crazy artist guy, like whatever. Like, you know, th- those, those sort of things will probably open up with their own unique look. Yeah, and I was talking to uh, uh, a buddy, uh, Odysseus. He had a show on Netflix for a while, and I was t- he was like, "Have you ever thought about cutting your hair?" And I was like, "No, because this is not the, it's not the same era, you know, where you have to have the short hair, you know, all all your hair has to be in perfect order. People are willing to work with you if you have the the the, the professionalism with you. I'm not saying you have to be the best actor in the world." But if you're coachable, you you're you're workable and you're professional, they'll work with you. I've booked what, what, plenty what of work. Have, the, have the casting directors ever said, Percy, you should cut your hair? No. My agent even haven't said I should cut it. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. You're, 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 yeah. Then don't until they tell you. Percy yeah. it's time to cut the hair. That's you know? what I'm saying. I think let them tell you that. Oh, I mean it's they would have told you already. They would have totally told you already. And 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 that and that's the for me. I didn't do it to kind of just be like this intention seeking guy that I need everybody to, to look at me and ask me where, how I did my hair this way. I just, I felt like I was getting tired of seeing everybody with the same short hair. You know, everybody got the, the, got the fade and all that stuff. And I'm like, look, I've booked work, braided my hair, put my hair in a ponytail and I've made it work. I don't think I had to just cut my hair just to, Put myself in a box just because I want to look like every other black person at a casting call. So yeah, I won't book certain roles, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's workable. People have asked me to do something different with it. I've done something different with it, and I've, I mean, I'll still get all. I get auditions way more than I ever thought with this hair. So I'm right. like, hey, I'll, I'll keep right. it going. <laughs> and ultimately, it's. I feel like it's like it only start to realize you. You need to be the best version of you in the room, and if that's the best version of you, that's you. You know, that's what works the best for you. That's what you should do. Like, if that's the way you feel the best, the most confident, like, boom, you know. Yeah, that's what you should do. It's all about the confidence, right? Like, you learn. That's the number one thing. Is like. It's the confidence, you know, like when you're confident in an audition, even if you don't get it, you're like, I still nailed that for they're gonna remember me, you know. And then sometimes yeah. you walk out, you don't feel as confident, you're like, eh, it's always about confidence and being relaxed. I mean, even on stage, I mean, we're getting back to talking about auditions now, but just being relaxed, <laughs> right. confident, you know, confident. Yeah, at Los Angeles is a very interesting place. I really, I, it's not for me. I'm definitely a pretty hardcore Northeast guy, but I, I always enjoy going there. I have a lot of friends there. So it's almost like being like, you know, every night when I was there, I was hanging out with people. And it was just super fun. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, for me, it's a whole different, I wish I, I wish I got, would get called out there for work at some point, just because it's a fun place to go, you know, and just get more in, in the industry out there. But, you know, New York is not, you know, it's much better than it used to be back when I first started, when there was three or four TV shows. Now there's 60 or whatever, you know. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. But, you know, you're getting great experience out there, too. You know, it's a whole it's good to see the other side. 
You know, yeah. get out of New York. You're from New York. It's not the worst thing to get out of here for a little bit, even for, you know, you know. I mean, I, I, know, I also know people who thought they were going to be in it, like people of Grizzly. Know. How long have you been there now? A year, a little over a year. Right. And, and I've heard people like it takes even longer than that to get fully acclimated. But, you know. It does. Um, I, I haven't even touched right 15% of LA. And right. honestly, and, for me. And if you're making contacts out there, even if you came back to New York at some point, you'll still have those contacts when you're in New York, because you can easily, you can put yourself on tape and easily fly out there and crash in friends or whatever. Yeah. And you yeah. know, for me, this, this business is all networking at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I tell people that you can do all the free work that you want, but at some point, the only way you're going to climb up the ranks is if you start making those steps. So for me, my head is just like a calling card for a lot of people. I'll just be walking down the street and be like, Hey man, you know, I have this opportunity. You want to do a photo shoot? Hey, fine. I don't know who this is. I don't do everything on the off chance that they know somebody, but it's good to put yourself out there. So for me, if my hair is the way to get there, then hey, so I'll go ahead first. (laughs) And look, they're going to tell you, they'll they'll tell you when you should cut it. (laughs) They'll tell you when it's hurting you, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure when I get into my 30s, you know, start looking at marriage and maybe kids, I probably want to be rocking this, but. I mean, if, if it's a money maker and it makes me money, then I'll continue this until my hair fall off. But we'll we'll see. <laughs> Before we get right back into the action, thank you for tuning in to another charismatic episode. Um, if you are interested in being on the Prince of Fresh Air podcast, you can hit me up on Instagram at Mr. Dot No Days Off Percy. Again, that's Mr. Dot No Days Off Percy. You can also go to Anchor dot fm slash the prince of fresh air the homepage. you can also find my social media links there and if you're also interested in sending in voice messages or donating you can also do that as well i would love to use the proceeds to go to a local food bank or a warmer house and um you know i can take up to you know ten thousand dollars you know i'm not gonna complain but yeah thank you for tuning to another episode let me know your thoughts and opinions what i can improve or something that you enjoy and let's get right back to the action, shall we? Oh man, this this has been good. I know it's it's a it's getting late for you because it's three hour difference. Um, any, right. any any oh, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm normally a kind of a night owl, but same uh, same. I I I, I mean, unemployment kind of helps, but I don't even go to sleep until like five, six, seven in the morning now. Oh wow! Yeah, I I love it. I I mean, I stay up. I'll edit the podcast or whatever, or. Right. I'll just stay up and do other things that I got to do. Um, but- up until the time I was like 35, on the weekends, I was still up a lot of times three, four, five in the morning. Then, you know, you're married and kids and that changes. But yeah, for, you know, for, I, I, I had kids at my first kid at 36. So, but for, I was always late, you know, always <laughs> yeah. up super late. But you know why? Artists, that's a lot of artists, right? A lot of artists like to stay up late. Interesting things happen in the nighttime. I, I mean, unless you're into more, the, the stuff that I do daytime yeah like i work at night i work until like after midnight i have auditions that come in at eight o'clock at, at night and i have to get them done by 10 in the morning so i'll stay up for that it's it's very interesting i love i love that i love acting but i think for a lot of people um and the reason why i asked you the question about is it a major difference from TV, you know being on a big tv show compared to a smaller production was because a lot of people don't know how to handle that pressure 
you know, it, it's tough. I mean, you never know when work is coming. Then when you do get work, it's a very demanding job. Not demanding if you love it, but 14 hours on, on a set and stuff like that. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's a very tough, but... For whatever reason, it, I'm way more nervous at auditions than I am on set. I'm set. I'm like, I'm here. They want me here. I'm prepared. You got multiple takes. Normally, direction, almost every director I've ever worked with puts you ease very quickly. You're like, all right, they want you to succeed. You're here to succeed. So when I'm on the, those sets, especially like the TV sets, I'm pretty relaxed. You, obviously, you want to do well, and there's always some nerves. But like, I'm. But in the, I, I always find I'm way more, way more tense in the audition room. Oh, same. Because you, you know, only got a smaller window. Right. To they, want they want you there. You've been hired. You know, they they want you there. They want you to succeed. So, um, yeah, that, that that's yeah, that's gonna be one of my, uh, my projects <laughs> it, 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 going forward is just to continue to improve the the, the auditions. You know. Right. Uh, so what you know that's I was actually gonna ask you. So what's the future looking like for you? What is um, something that you want to accomplish or a goal that you have in mind? I want, I, well, I definitely want to write and produce another movie. You know, so oh. I, you know, one of the, you know, the good things about the incoherence for us is that people see that you can, you know, you can complete a movie, you can make a movie and, you know, we got distribution. So there's a, there's a track record ahead. So if I get a, a good script in a right space, I can go forward to people and uh, say, Hey, we have a bit of a track record here, you know, check out this movie. And, you know, I, I've already, um, we shot a lot of it in New Jersey. A lot of my buddies from New Jersey were, you know, gave, gave me money for it and, you know, were integral just helping get it off the ground. They were extras in the movie. They, I think they were one, they were there the day you were at the Maxwell's when we were at Maxwell's in Hoboken. I had friends there at extras at, at that. Oh. But I, I have I met some contacts there, so there might be um, through friends and people who've seen the movie. There might be a, a, an avenue to discuss helping getting in terms of money. You know, hopefully uh, getting it off the ground. So we'll see. But um, definitely want to make write and produce another movie. And you know, um, I really just want to get better at it because I'm get, I'm getting to the point now uh, that. You know, it's awesome being on a TV show because it pays and stuff, but it's not any less, it's any, not any more important if I did do a show in front of five people, you know, it, you got, I'm, I'm at that point now, it's like, it's, I want to do that just as much as this. Like, I want to be in the trenches doing the thing in front of nobody. And that's fine with me right now. Like, cause like we said, because uh, a lot of, with the TV stuff you, 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 at this, at my you know status, I'm not getting like the, the juiciest of roles. You're trying to make the best out of a scene or two. Right. You know, so it's not the meatiest thing. It's when you go to the theater or, you know, or maybe a, a small indie where you actually have a, more of a character to develop, you know, more of an experience, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting you said that. That's probably why people like, I, I mean, I, we, I've, I've been guilty of it, but people who see Nicolas Cage on sci-fi and all these uh, real low budget movies and people are like, really? Nicolas Cage? I mean, at this point, it's kind of just his thing, but it makes sense now that you break it down like that because I don't think I've ever talked to somebody who's done, you know, the amount of uh, had the amount of experience as you who who broke it down briefly, uh, you know, like that. And it really comes down to freedom, you know. I think when you look at bigger studios, that means bigger budgets means they have more of a deadline and a crunch time, so you don't get to have as much fun. 
yeah, you'll have some fun, but it's not as free flowing as like the incoherence where you get to laugh, sit back, have a good time, maybe chuck a cold one after, you know, just let loose and it's not as tense. And that's probably why some actors find ways to kind of leave the big Hollywood scene and go to the more indie route, do more plays, do more smaller productions because it's more control, it's more freedom that comes with it. And it's not as, you know, constrained as, you know, being in a Marvel movie, I'm sure, is probably, I mean, it's probably going to be a little more. Well, the spectacle of those big productions is always so much fun, you know. Um, Yeah, so there is, I mean, they're they're both just as enjoyable because you're like, when you are in those big productions, you're like, aha, wow, okay, this is really, you're you're seeing all, you're, you're, you're seeing, you know, normally when you're in India, you've got eight, ten people on the crew, maybe six, you know, here you've got a hundred, you know, so it's. Uh, you're just kind of taking it all in and enjoying it. And like I said, the parts I've had haven't been so, so big and so complex that you're like really have to be, you know, you're really stressed about or stressed or you sort of in what you're doing as opposed to if you're, you know, shooting all day on an indie. But the indies are fun, like you said, because of the camaraderie, you're roughing it, you're, you're in the trenches doing doing it. So it, it's just, if you're, if you love being in, an, in that environment, and we do because we're actors, Absolutely. Both are going to be great. And, and I am starting to appreciate just more as I get older, just actually just doing it, enjoying yeah. it, doing it and let the chips fall, fall where they may, you know? Um, and that's, that, that's the thing. I, that's one of the things about the pandemic that hopefully I'm, I'm going to keep in my head. It's like, just, just fall back in love with acting and stop worrying about nailing every audition or getting every role. You got to start enjoying this more. And I think when you enjoy it more, that's when more work will come, you know? Oh, absolutely. I, just to cap it off for me, that's that's one of the things for me. Like these auditions, it's not even so much that I, that I'm not I'm I don't even get mad about booking a job anymore. It's the fact that just being able to go from not even being a thought to having representation and just being in a conversation. That, that I mean, that's good enough for me. I mean, obviously, I want more, but for me, it's you put your best foot forward and you forget about it because right. I mean that's and one of just man. You're young, you're single, you got no attachments to anything, you know, it, you're free to, you're free to do YouTube videos at three in the morning, you know, like, take, <laughs> that's you know, true, pot, yeah. you know, just like do a pot, you know, you're, you, you're obviously doing what you're supposed to do. You're going out there on every Avenue. It's, it'll, it's going to pay off, you know, especially like I said, when you have this personal freedom, like take advantage. That's one of the things I, did, I wish I did a little more before I had kids was take advantage of, you know, it, it, the access to, you know, now you can grab a phone and do anything. When I, you know, right. when I started, it wasn't quite as easy, but, that's also not an excuse, you know, like, but you're, you seem like you're right on track where you need to be, you know, it, it's a process. It's a process. It a process. You know? It's not, it's not, Dude, you I, know, I, 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 I was doing it. 17 years before I was on the TV. I had, I had success in voiceovers. That's where I was making my money. That's where I got, oh. but I, I really didn't start getting any sort of consistent, consistent TV others until my mid forties. Cause I was doing theater. You know, I finally gave the theater, like you got to focus on TV and film. I kept doing little theater, little plays, like, oh, trying to get people to come. And that was not the wisest way to do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it took me a while to break in and I'm still trying to break it. But yeah, I've had a little more success the last, with it the last five years. We, Like you said, you're in the conversation. That's what it's, I mean. So you're seeing the bigger casting directors and they're calling you back more than once, which is good, so. And that's, I mean, at the end of the day, even though it's show business, it's still a business. And at some point you have to treat it like a business. 
in order you for you have to treat it like a business more business than anything else <laughs> exactly and i think that's where a lot of actors fail is that they they get so caught up in the glitz and the glamour they don't they forget that there's still money that is involved with you know all these productions and it's still a business so you can look as good as you want but if you're not providing that profit that they need or you're not selling them something that they're looking for then at the end of the day they don't need you and but, i feel like Go, go. To, you know, sell yourself. That's what, at this point, you're just trying to sell yourself. You know, yeah. You you are the CEO of your own business. You know, and that's why that's why for me, I always tell people whether acting or any other profession, have a brand. My hair, the sunglasses. I I mean, that's just that's just my my thing. And I know what I bring to the table. I know there's certain things I, I I'm not willing to do or I, I can't bring myself to do. And that's fine. I mean, eventually I'll probably grow out of it, but it's one of those things where you have to know what you, what your value is because this is a big thing until you're demanded and you're not demanding, then I mean, so no, no, no one as very few people can be demanding <laughs> or you're yeah. out quickly. Unless you're, unless you're Robert Downey Jr. or right. uh, Tom Cruise, look, you have to go knocking on Netflix's door. They're not going to come knocking on your door. And I think that's just the... We could talk about acting all day. We all want right. to put the people to sleep. Um, <laughs> any final words Any where people can find you or any any final thoughts or something that you had? Um, no, I think... Uh... Hey, don't, don't pull you know, the, I'm I, an older man. I got kids. So I don't got social media. I know you have social oh, media. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> JeffHourActor.com. I'm on Instagram, Jeff60Minutes. You know, you, uh, I'm on Facebook. You know, if, if you're interested, the, you go to the incoherence.com. You can, uh, we're on streaming on Epics and Amazon. Um, and, you know, just getting back to what we said, just to wrap it up. Yeah, man, we got to talk to each other, right? We just got to talk to, I was, I was looking forward to you because I knew you're an open-minded guy. I actually knew that we didn't agree on everything politically. I think I have right. some sure, but nah, whatever, man, that's fine. I mean, you know, we, these, we, we need to have more conversations uh, like this. People need, you know, I, I, we need to talk like, like we said, that that's all. And, um, Oh yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to be. Uh, well, I'm not, actually I shouldn't say that because I'm there. I, I shot something right before the pandemic. Oh, it was a cut before you I said You want to spill the beans? I get you. <laughs> Zip those lips, man. <laughs> you know, I, on this podcast, I wanted to have you because, like you said, we didn't meet eye to eye on everything. But this podcast is not supposed to be about. I, I only get people that agree with me and, and right. do it. No, it's about being having that conversation, starting that conversation, and having that dialogue. Because, you know, even though we might not agree with everything, I'm an open-minded guy. I don't play favorites. I'm just all about learning more and growing more. Even though I'm a young dude, don't mean I have to be very gung-ho about something. And I think this is where our country lies right now is that, you know, people are, at least my generation, so gung-ho about being right about everything that they can't be wrong about anything. So, uh That's that's a bad mix for anybody, regardless, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe, what side you're on, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fun. Oh, actually, you know, I, I didn't even want to do this, but I don't know. Is it just me or like I love the Marvel movies? I love I love the Marvel movies, but is it just me or when you see like Chris Hemsworth or Tom Holland and other movies outside of them, it just don't ring right to you? Or maybe I 
Well, I, I think uh, for me, because they're not my generation, I can I can imagine anybody in anything. I think sometimes when you grow up with something like you, you you're a little more closer to the in terms of the demographic to the Marvel movies than me. Um, so yeah, I can totally dissociate one thing from the other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you know I don't really watch those movies. I, I mean, I mean the only the only one I've seen recently was Black Panther. Uh, uh, okay. You know, um, and I think maybe I saw one or two more, but Black Panther was clearly the best one of the bunch. And I'm like, I don't really okay. need to see anymore because I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> well, I'm just. You know, <laughs> Ooh, Jeff. I know, you say, no, you know, you, you've seen you, you see enough superhero movies, especially as a 50 year old man, you kind of know how it's eventually going to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Black Panther was so different and and just literally legitimately a great movie. So that was that was a can't miss. But um, yeah, I, I, I can I can separate for sure. But you know what the problem is about that is because you know Samuel Jackson, uh, certain other people they had a career before they went into Marvel. You know, so it's not as hard for them to kind of branch out of it. Tom Holland, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, nobody. Any, I big, mean, any any big name, any big name is going to try to get into one of the the, the DC movies or the probably Marvel is the top choice, and then D, the, yeah, they all want it. The, the the money at those, you know. Oh, it pays, and I, right. but I think that's why a lot of people this is stigma about superhero movies because if you know, let's say they pluck a random guy from obscurity and threw him as let's say Batman, right? Nobody's seen him in anything else. So if he goes out and try to do something else, there's a stigma. Uh, uh, he only do superhero movies because he didn't have a career before that. So I think that's probably why I think like that. Like, I didn't know who Tom Holland was until he played Spider-Man. I didn't know who Chris Hemsworth was until he was Thor. So to see them in other movies is like, I'm not writing them off. It's just like, uh, nah, I got to watch Thor. I, I can't see you in this, you know? It's <laughs> But it was good to have you, Jeff. I, I won't keep you because I know you got a family to take care of. And uh um, oh, talk to you, man. Thanks absolutely. And, and I know I know those shows pay well, so you can afford to pay me five thousand dollars to be on the show. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll do it. I'll, I'll uh, Venmo. Can you Venmo five thousand dollars? Is that legal? Do they start getting suspicious if you start doing that? I look I'll send you, I'll send you, I'll send you a box of cash, you don't have to pay taxes. Oh, even better. <laughs> just send it to Chris Hemsworth's house because just send it to uh Chris Hemsworth's house because I'm about to go there right now. <laughs> gonna go party with Thor, yeah. <laughs> See the Avengers, they're actually gonna be performing a, a live reenactment of the movie in my living room, so I gotta get ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, Jeff, I, I won't keep you, man. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being on here. Great and, to talk uh, to you, Good luck with everything. You're, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do, believe me. Absolutely. And I mean, when that $5,000 come, I'll be all right. <laughs> it will. That'll, that'll, that'll get you through, uh, what, a month and a half in LA, maybe? <laughs> Just expensive pairs and zero. Close to it. All right, Jeff. All right. Good talking to you. Enjoy Take it. Take it easy. Thank you, Jeff. Bye-bye.